0: You're listening to the Wild 7 Podcast Network. Listen different. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage this entitled child who will be singing for us the newly revised and newly written National Anthem of the United States of America. Take it away, Entitled Child! In the words of Alex Rogers Episode 27 A Personal Sense of Independence Welcome, my friends. You want to have some freedom fries? They're right there. I don't want to see any French kissing. I want to see some liberty kissing. And don't make me no French toast, either. I want patriotic bread. Welcome back, my free friends. This is Alex Rogers, recording and reporting from a timeless zone in which your listening is the now... And how are you doing? I hope all of you are finding yourselves in a free place today. Why do I keep saying that word? Well, uh, as much as we keep it timeless around here, this nevertheless marks a Sunday that falls upon Independence Day. Fourth of July. You say barracuda, people say, huh? What? You say shark. We got a problem on our hands on the 4th of July. Um, That's a quote from one of my favorite 4th of July films, Jaws. But before we get into that, uh, let me just say to all of you, thank you for tuning in today. And uh, there's a phrase that I like to say on a day like today. And that is, happy personal sense of independence. Now, you know me, I always put a little twist of mischief on things that I say. And absolutely, I'm giving a little fun thumbing of the nose at the patriotic giant in which we find ourselves. Nevertheless, with jokes included, not aside, but included, I wish you all exactly those words. A personal sense of independence. Why not? Ultimate freedom would be free to the individual, the person, the personal. Whatever frees you, I do hope you are finding it today and the days to come. Because it is a little bit of a silly day. And I get to say that as a U.S. American, as a red, white, and blue-blooded American, I'm allowed to say that. You know, there's a uh, statement that the comedians often make, and I think Paul Mooney said it exactly like this, or certainly close to it. You may not like what I say, but please defend my right to say it. I'm an American. And so what that means to me, if we're to take this whole thing at all sincerely, and notice I don't say seriously, I say sincerely, a distinction that I learned listening to the great Alan Watts. But of course, that's something else for another time. But as we all know, another time and this time are inherently implying one another. But yes, if we're to take this whole U.S. American experiment sincerely, um, because a lot of it has been fraught with so much hypocrisy. And I, I listen, if you live here and if your eyes are halfway open and halfway listening on top of that, um, you know, you can feel it. You know that this is a lot of silliness happening on top of the words. A lot of us ain't free. Many, many years after that Declaration of Independence, we all know that when it was written, it did not include a lot of people in the very words it seemed to profess for all. We all know it only benefited a few, and to this day, it only benefits a few. It's kind of proportionally unfairly spread out. We know this. And there are people who have said it way better than I. And it's funny how uh, a part of me each year does feel like it's good to be a bit of a patriot. And what do I mean by that? Dang it. Well, hey, um, I think sometimes if, if this nation really was created by questioning things that are, then it's good each year to question a few things that are. Isn't that keeping in spirit with the whole notion of declaring one's independence? You only have to do that if you're not down with the current independence, right? Well, anyway, that's why I decide to say in a sort of uh, post-revolutionary or until we find the next revolution uh, thing, happy personal sense of independence. I mean, I you know, I know people have fun with fireworks, but I feel bad for dogs and, uh, and people who, who get triggered into bad zones uh, of memory and past experience uh, with loud explosions. And sometimes I find, you know, people get a little extra American on a day like this, and that can be a little endangering. So be careful out there and all that jazz. Have fun. Uh, but also have a little bit of uh, respect because your personal sense of independence needn't be louder or more important than your brothers and sisters' personal senses of independences. Here's a very first world problem, but it kind of bummed me out. I'm I'm proud of the fact that I'm not like angry, angry. I'm almost amused, but nerd that I am, I've been getting into this uh, old school French Uh, space opera, dark space opera, uh, graphic novel series, comic series. Um, Man, a lot of the French, they like image over dialogue. And I kind of dig that in terms of the fact that these panels are often not even, uh, sometimes a page will be maybe two panels or not even a panel, just a giant image and a few little dialogue bubbles going down or a few little description boxes going down. But this guy is, uh, I don't know if I've talked about him on the show yet, but we talked a little bit about Mobius, and and someone once broke it down for me really well. Uh, A dude who works at uh, the Last Bookstore in downtown LA. Look, I I don't, oh, I hope, I hope. Hey, Last Bookstore, you ever want to do some local business? Hit up your boy. I would love to uh, represent you. Um, I have no affiliation with these guys, but I do feel like they should be touted. And when you have a name like The Last Bookstore, uh, sometimes that name, as cool as it is, we would hate for it to be an actual fact because, as we all know, bookstores are often disappearing left and right. So, lest it ever become the very last bookstore, we must preserve it. Uh, If you're in the L.A. area or if you're passing through, do check them out. And there is a cool gentleman there. Whoops, I forgot your name, sir. But, you know, just the the good people who work at uh, The Last Bookstore. This guy uh, got me into this series, Droulet made. Now, Droulet, he he broke it down. He said, Mobius is the Pink Floyd of French sci-fi comic art. Droulet is the Black Sabbath of French sci-fi comic art. And I kind of get what he means. Uh... It's a little sharper, a little, um, you know, with, uh, with Mobius, it can get really grotesque and strange, but there's almost a sort of feminine, uh, curve to it, if you will. Droulet has got sharper angles. It's kind of the brutal male force of intergalactic darkness, and there's this space pirate guy called Lone Sloan. And there's this badass series that this guy did during the 70s, and I want to say maybe even into the 80s. This guy, Drew Lade, uh did... Um, he not only wrote his stuff, he drew it as well. So he's a double threat right there. And also he's part... I know some of his work was often part of Heavy Metal, great uh, magazine of sci-fi comic art. And uh, yeah, so he did this series Lone Sloan. Now I have the first issue, and it's badass. The six voyages of Lone Sloan. And that's exactly what they are. There's little simple adventures in space with weirdness going down and crazy uh, psychedelic imagery. But it's not like marshmallow rainbow psychedelia. It's it's like uh, deep dark space psychedelia, if that makes sense. And if it don't Let that image just simply bathe your senses. So the second volume of this collected series of his work, it's called Delirious, and it's really hard to find. I couldn't find it anywhere, and uh, not at any bookstores, including the aforementioned. And certainly online, I often found it a little ridiculously out of one's price budget, certainly my budget. And then... I thought I found it. I, I I did find it. I ordered it as well. I, I found it for a pretty good price as well. I was like, whoa, whoa, all right. And arrived today. I got so excited to find that this is a German language copy. Ah. Now, I got nothing against the Germans. Nothing against you at all. But the problem is, is I don't speak German. And I certainly don't know how to read it and und, I don't have the time to learn it simply for the sake of a strange dark sci-fi comic experience and and look I was ready to do it when when I first realized what I was looking at was not English I thought oh okay well because Droulet is French maybe I got the original French version which I would not have minded because I know a little bit of French and uh, hey, that would be in keeping with what most likely is the original written text of this work. But once I saw all of those umlaus, I knew we were in trouble. And all of that Ich habe lichtning seine out in front. I do realize that it's one of the easiest things to do to make Germans sound severe uh, and even fascistic in one's lampooning of the sound. And while one of certain hurt persuasions will try to go, okay, that's not fair, let me just uh, remind you that in a comic filtering of doing silly voices, I do believe that it is fair game that when one's nation... Uh, Did or certainly tried to dominate the world uh, We get to do a silly version of their voice And continue So yes, you got the German version of this And you don't know what to do with that So I was a little annoyed and amused By the fact that I scored what I really thought was a rare gem That I stumbled upon And for a really good deal And then, uh, well, oops Oops It ain't going to quite cut it. So, you know, got mad for a sec, breathe through that. It's also very silly. Look, you know, too good to be true. There's something to be said about that. This is a very rare thing. The thing that's odd is it's the second volume of a series where the other issues are pretty available. So I almost wonder, like, why is two? So, it's also called delirious. And man, did I feel delirious when I looked at a bunch of words that had... Dude, those umlaus scare me. I don't honestly know how to pronounce that. The O with the two dots above it. That, man, that's scary. The O with the two dots above it. It's like little eyes and a giant mouth going, Oh, you don't know how to pronounce me. If only I, if I could do Matrix Powers... I would do very sort of low key ones, but I honestly if I could just if I could just read and understand and speak every language on the planet. Damn! That what a cool superpower. And and really and understand it from its most proper to its most inner slang. Of all whatever we have. Six, seven hundred languages on planet Earth alone? Hey how fucking cool would that be well this is just a, a a fun time not to be taken too seriously only sincerely as stated before but um there are fun things to be done on uh, on independence day And for me, movies are always a go-to. And there's two Independence Day-themed movies. Now, no, it's not going to be Independence Day, or as we used to call it back in the 90s, ID4. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. Wait, does he say it like... (laughs) Does he say it like that? No, it's not redundant like that. Bill Pullman, in the movie Independence Day, he most likely says, Today we celebrate our independence. Right? But if he says, Today we celebrate our independence day. That's fun. A double day right there? Double day. Publishing sci-fi since forever. No, but double day. That would be really funny. Somebody confirm this for me. I don't have a Jamie yet, like the Joe Rogan experience. Jamie, look that up for me, will you? Does he say day twice? Yeah, no, I, uh, I like two movies that come to mind. Um, one that I always go to is Jaws. Now, See, that's not out of nowhere. That takes place during Fourth of July weekend. And that movie, besides being a cool monster flick with a shark, also has a great statement about how stupid capitalism makes people. And, and, and dude, just take the mayor, for example, dude, the mayor, he's such a great character in that movie. Don't get me wrong. The the three leads that we all know, Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfuss, those three are legendary. All three of their performances are fantastic. We know that. I ain't even going to cover that. But dude, and I'm so sorry, I don't know the actor's name, but I do know that he is uh, Mr. Robinson in The Graduate. Uh, he's also the mayor in Jaws, and he's this fucking dude. You have to be a certain kind of prick to be wearing a powder blue blazer with anchors, little you know, little marine anchor patterns all over it. And you're like, I'm the mayor of a little Martha's Vineyard type of town called Amity. Amity, as you know, means friendship. <laughs> and he's this total shit-eating grin kind of guy who wants to keep the beaches open because it's good money, it's good business. And, dude, he's such a great performance. There's there's a moment where, where the cop and the scientist, all right, these are people you need to listen to when there's a shark problem happening in your waters, Mr. Mayor. You should listen to them. And there's this shot where they're it's tracking too they're following him and they're like you have to understand Mr. Mayor this this is a a real thing and 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 we had a tooth uh, that could even show it and and you have to close the beaches because people are going to be truly just like, just lunch waiting out there for the shark and and he points up to one of their welcome to Amity uh Island uh, posters, which shows like, you know, normally like a girl on a paddle board looking all kind of like, hello, welcome. But someone painted a giant shark fin on it now, because now, of course, the whole town has shark fever going on. And the mayor points up and says, You see that? Vandalism! That's what you boys ought to be paying attention to. You see what I mean? That's fucking hilarious. And even when they bring it, when the, finally they get his attention for a second and all he can think is, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you'd like to prove that this is a shark, wouldn't you? Get yourself in the National Geographic. I, I don't know, man. I mean, of course, he would be anno- in real life if we dealt with this guy. He would be so fucking annoying because he's exactly the bureaucracy that keeps people from being safe and where accidents happen and then all that's left is for him to shrug and go, I, I, I don't know, all I had were all the facts presented to me. We know this guy. In real life he's aggravating but in a movie played expertly by this guy eh, it's so much fun dude it's it's just it's a part often not talked about i think because obviously everything else in jaws is amazing i mean, I mean you do have to you got to you got to tune in for that robert shaw monologue man that is so fun and so scary you're out there in the water, and then the shark comes in, and he's got those eyes, those dull eyes. And then the first man goes, and the water turns red, and you hear... Oh, that high-pitched screaming. <laughs> Dude, it's so chilling, so good. People forget that Jaws has a lot of love. It has a lot of um, sweetness. It has a lot of comedy. Like, really good comic bits. Like, like beat, beat, punchline, perfect comic bits. Um, and yeah, man, I consider it a 4th of July movie. Now, here's another 4th of July movie that I worry fell through the cracks of time. And I wonder sometimes... If only my immediate age group, forget my generation, my immediate age group. So that means people right now in their mid to later 30s who were born in the 80s, but their real actual conscious memories started around like 89, 90, 91. Know what I mean? VHS generation because when i was a little kid you know you have to understand we didn't have a bunch of 98 million it wasn't like you kids with your 98 million channels see fuck here i i'm not even 40 yet and i'm already doing back in my day that's the problem man the, the faster technology gets the older each generation becomes sooner i mean they become older sooner Soon we're going to have 14-year-olds talking to 7-year-olds saying, In my day, we had uh, an iPad. Now you have an iPlad." Nah, I don't know what that is. I just thought that would be funny, an iPlad. But it doesn't make any sense, does it? I think it makes sense, Mr. Rogers. You know, there's a sentence for everybody. You're right. You're right, Basic Timmy. You're right. But when I was a little kid, we only had a few channels. And you sometimes would just rely on the few VHS tapes that you had in your collection. And there was this amazing sci-fi adventure film from the 80s that I feel like didn't really carry on past my immediate age group. But let me ask y'all, does anyone here remember... Does anybody here remember... Flight of the Navigator. Flight of the Navigator. 1986, I think. Dude. Th- that one is amazing. That-, that deals with time travel. It deals with um, what happens if you left Earth because you were abducted by aliens. But when they returned you eight years later, you have no memory of it. In fact, they put you exactly where you had been picked up, so as far as you know, you just kind of fell asleep for a second in the middle of the woods, and now you're just like, oh, I guess it's just like the same night, right? But no, you come back to your house. (gasps) It's all different, totally different design. Mom, Dad, they're not here. Even my little shithead brother who in the beginning of the movie I hate but now I miss because even he's gone. Where's my mom and dad? When you're a little kid watching that movie you get so invested. It's, it's a fear that I think we as kids whether we have watched this movie or even anything like it, that movie taps into a real scared feeling that we have all felt as little ones. What if i came back home or if i even just turned the corner of my house and everything was different and my mom and dad were gone and a bunch of strangers said who are you kid and he does they do locate his family but of course everyone's older and they thought he went missing but he of course has memories that he'll need to tap into uh, and I love it too, he, he's got like this little brother who was a total shit heel when they were kids, but now that he's technically eight years older, because for him, time did accelerate, but for the kid, by the way, I didn't make this clear, obviously the kid who's abducted, he remained the age of, I think, 12. So, he's now younger than his younger brother. Like how, that's so, what a cool concept especially when you're a kid watching this movie oh and uh, yeah it takes place during fourth of july weekend that's why i fucking uh you know bo- both when he disappeared in the 70s to when he reappears in the 80s that's what it is for a time period it's over fourth of july so you know shark attacks alien abductions some cool uh monster sci-fi shit is happening oh and then fun fact uh Rather than it being, like, a memory regression thing of even bothering with his whole abduction thing, he actually, because the government wants to keep him a secret now, that only brings him closer to the biggest secret, which is they found the UFO. And the UFO is operated by a sentient, sort of cyborg alien consciousness voiced by Paul Rubens. See you later, Navigator. (laughs) Oh, man. It's such a fun movie, And what's great, too, is it has this 80s soundtrack by Alan Silvestri that in times... I mean, it's all synthy, too, very 80s synth. So there are moments where it has that kind of spacious, glowing sound, very kind of, ooh, wow, what's this? And then it also has this kick-ass opening, good little uh, uh, playing with our minds. We going into this movie, if you've heard anything about it, you're expecting some alien activity. And in the very beginning of the movie, you see this disc shape floating in the blue skies. And even with this synth sound of kind of like. And you're like, okay, all right, all right, all right. But then a dog catches it because it's a frisbee contest. You hear that 80s percussion? I mean that shit in the beginning goes <sips> because baby, it's the it, it's a it's a fucking 80s movie, man. And it's and what is more 80s than a bunch of people in really, really short shorts throwing frisbees for their champion dogs as they do backflips in the air in slow motion and their big drooly jowls go flappity-flap-flap flap, just in time around a frisbee and everyone going, wow, in their really, really tight short shorts and their mullets because, God bless you, it's the 80s, baby! Uh yeah 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 it's it's fun and obviously fun fact when you grew up with VHS tapes and the more you watched them, those tapes started to wear thin a little. so it was not uncommon for your movie to begin with that sound right there. It would be more like <laughs> it would have because the tracking would be a little fucked up in in various parts. And and the color would go off. Basically, you'd have your own free acid flashback without having to have ever had taken acid. Because uh, (laughs) randomly, in those VHS tapes, there'd be moments where people were like, quick, there's something over here. here." Because everything just would get a little... Um, If you wanted to pause, you know, we know, we know. DVD. Blu-ray, even streaming. If you want to pause an image, you get that image image. It's so crystal clear that people love looking at that image to capture with the image of their camera, to put on the image function of their social media, to improve their image in the image of other people. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you either are from the past or the future. Welcome to the now. But, man, I miss those VHS memories. And I've kept a few VHS tapes. And I wonder if I should reinvest in some old VHS player. Oh, yet another thing to uh, to maybe risk my money upon. But, uh, man, hopefully, though, uh, there's a DVD or a Blu-ray out there of Flight of the Navigator. Look, man, that's a fun movie. I wager and warrant even to this day. I bet it's a fun one for you and the kids, for you and grandma, the fam. Maybe even just by yourself. I mean, let's face it. Some of you are so free that you're free of company, like me. And that's okay, because we are doing what we do between doing and doing. I wanted to talk a little bit about how I was free of something And then I got kind of thrown back into the trap of it. And quite simply, it's an addiction. And uh, it's an addiction we all, especially, who grew up in U.S. America, know pretty inherently. And that addiction is sugar. And I'm talking not just products that already have that baseline of sugar that got us already a little bit low-key hooked, but especially these copious amounts of delicious mainline sugar dessert-y items, which I am the first to say I fucking love to a pretty much unhealthy level, to where I realize that it's fun when you're a kid to go nuts on every form of sugar you can get your hands and palate upon. Uh, but, you know, I've I found that well into my adulthood, I haven't kicked that same fiendish sweet tooth that I've had since I was a little one. And, uh, man, I love me some candied cereals. I love me some donuts. I love me some cookies. I love me gooey things, fruity things. I love fruit snacks. I love gummies. I love, did I already say that? Well, then I love double gummies. I love, uh, yeah, chocolate, uh, creamy things. God damn it, if it's just, if it's just in the name of sweetness and sugar, I'm there. Now, I've never done cocaine, but... I have heard tell that it taps into a similar part of the brain. And, you know, I've made bad decisions at 3 a.m. to find sugar at easily accessible, all-night-long convenience stores up on the corner, because that's another sinister design of wherever you live. Don't worry. Find that hypotenuse, and there at the intersection will be a 24-hour sugar grab. And, folks, I decided a little while back to just see what it would be like to get off of it. And I did three months, my friends. Not bad, right? Three months. Now, don't get me wrong. Look, I wasn't strictly anti-sugar. I still had fruit juices. I still had fruits themselves. Uh, But I wasn't doing all that shit I mentioned before, you know, breaded sugar glazed mainline shit things that are like hello this is a snack disguised as a dessert disguised as cancer disguised as death in its sweetest form Uh, (laughs) those things I stayed away from for three whole months I felt pretty good my energy was better my face was a little uh, tighter shall we say Uh, not so much uh, jowl drooping going down when you're off of sugar skin definitely a lot clearer and then my friends almost exactly at the three month mark just one wild full moon night I wonder if that played some part in it I I hate to you know you know me I made such a fucking don't let your environment dictate who you are but man this last full moon was an interesting one and I suddenly went yeah I'm gonna go up to that convenience store up there on the corner and I'm gonna fuck up my streak And folks, I went hard. I got some, uh, what did I get that night? Oh, dude, you know the cereal I'm back on now? I love uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I guess that's not the worst one. For me, I know I'm doing really bad. If I'm doing like three bowls in a row of Lucky Charms, that's pretty bad. Cinnamon Toast Crunch, it's still sugar, but I don't know. For some reason, that's what my, my, my craving has been. But that night I did more than that. I did some donuts. I did some blood orange muffins. I did, uh, haven't gotten to gummies again, but I was doing a lot of breaded, fruity sugar shit. And sure enough, next day, look at my face in the mirror, a little puffy, a little bloated. Oh, look at that, a little cluster of uh, pimples around there, around that lower lip and chin area. How nice to see you return after years of not having to deal with you. Gee, I wonder how that happened. And I'm no better off right now. I can't say that I then learned my lesson. Honestly, I'm looking forward to later on after this recording, probably getting into some of this sugar. It's a weird thing, my friends. I don't understand it. I It made total sense when I was on the other side of it. When I was off of all of this mainline sugar, everything in me felt good. And dude, I work at a grocery store where all the time someone has something open. Because we got lots of yummy, fattening, doughy, sparkly, juicy, creamy, crispy, savory things that are all in the name of sugar, sugar, sugar. And I was honestly declining it as easily as I might just say, no, I'm not in the mood for anything else. Just no, no not in the mood. Uh, but man, I, I just noticed that for me, I go in and out of that discipline. And, uh, it's not the worst confession to make, but I do feel a little bashful telling you all that I'm kind of noticing that even my physical body has been going, well, you see, you know, you're not a kid, you're not a teenager anymore, and when you pound hard with those late night stoned midnight snacks, midnight, that would be early. How about that 2 a.m. extra bowl of cereal? Whoops! Whoops! pretty nice. It's, I, I do like sometimes being the in the moment, low risk hedonist. It's just something I want to acknowledge. It's not something I, I'm going to worry about amending this second. It's not anything that I want to put any moral spin upon. But I wanted to just kind of be real with y'all that this is something that I think we all kind of know, especially if you grew up in US America, how could you not have some kind of interesting relationship with Asukar. It's very interesting. And it's a dialogue I'm going to continue to have with it. And from that, I shall continue to give you the dialogue. Well, let's be honest, it's a monologue. And uh, for those of you who stepped away from your device, now it's become a soliloquy. But regardless of its form of communication, that is the word for now. Please have fun. Be safe out there. We're all starting to unmask. Oh, I didn't even tell. All right. Next episode. We're going to talk about how uh, I've slowly begun to unmask. So be safe. Keep that mask on you. But if you're feeling good and you're around good people, hey, let's all smile at each other. But regardless, get that personal sense of independence and carry those words with the silliness and sincerity that are inherent in their expressive meaning. In the mean in between, thank you for your time, thank you for your rhyme.